The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody! Help! Not just anybody! Help! You know I need someone! Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Episode 347 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician retired from practice. Our topic today is what family caregivers should know about treatments for chronic pain. Now, I want to just summarize a situation that's getting more serious, and it's this. Obviously, millions of people in North America live with chronic pain, which is a serious illness. And more and more physicians are recognizing chronic pain, and many of them are treating it with prescription painkiller medications called opioids. Now, opioids include heroin, opium, and morphine, which come from naturally occurring poppy plants. Um, The opioids also include medications created chemically from the naturally occurring opioids. Medications that are also opioids are manufacturing, manufactured or maybe manufactured independently of the naturally occurring opioids. Now, all of the op- opioids, regardless of how they're produced, relieve pain, but they're highly addictive. And because of the addiction problems, op- Opioids are raising major concerns. And just one example, in October 2013, the U.S. Food and, Food and Drug Administration recommended stiffening of drug enforcement for the particular opioid hydrocodone under the Controlled Substances Act. And there are other instances of this kind of tightening up going on as well. In July 2014, Canadian researchers in Ontario, Canada, which is where I'm based, reported that opioid-related deaths increased by 242% between 1991 and 2010, and that the increase was greatest among the young. All of which is why our topic, what family caregivers should know about treatments for chronic pain, is so important to family caregivers and their family members. Now, to discuss it, our guests are Penny Cowan and Dr. Donna Kalao-Okalani. Penny is the Chief Executive Officer of the American Chronic Pain Association, which she founded in 1980. The association provides support and education in pain management to people with pain and for their families and builds awareness of chronic pain among professionals, decision makers, and the public. 
Penny's numerous awards include the Jefferson Medal for Outstanding Citizen by the Institute for Public Service in Washington. She's, she's the author of Patient or Person, Living with Chronic Pain, and all the manuals used by the association. <clears throat> she's served as consumer representative for the FDA, CDER, Anesthetic and Analgesic Drug Products Advisory Committee, and she successfully established September, which is now, it's now September 2014, Penny established it as Pain Awareness Month. Now, Donna is president of the board of the American Chronic Pain Association, she received a medical degree from the University of Hawaii, John A. Burns School of Medicine. She completed postgraduate training in internal medicine and anesthesiology at Washington University in St. Louis. She obtained her master's degree in public health at the University of Washington in Seattle, where she completed a prestigious fellowship in the Robert Wood Johnson Clinic Scholars Program. Um, Donna co-founded the Disparities in Pain section of the American Pain Society, and Donna currently practices pain management in Folsom, California. So welcome to the show, Penny and Donna. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Okay. Now, Penny, let's, let's start with you, please. Please tell us about the mission of the American Chronic Pain Association. Well, I think the mission since 1980 has always remained the same, and that is to provide that peer support and teach coping skills to people with pain in their family so that they can live fuller lives in spite of the pain. You know, don't ignore it. There are ways that you can actually better manage your pain. But we also want to create a better awareness around pain and all of the issues that are caused because of pain. And I think it doesn't just filter down to that person with pain, but as you said, the family has an impact, employers have an impact. So it's, you know, we want to create that awareness that you don't have to suffer, that there are ways to better manage that pain, but the person with pain has to take an active role. And I think it's also important for people to know that they're not alone. According to the Institute of Medicine report in 2011, there are over 100 million people in the U.S. alone who are living with some form of pain. So, you know, I think they need to know that they're not alone and there is hope for a better tomorrow. Right. Now, Donna, please tell us about your work as a physician specializing in pain management. Donna? Well, I think, first of all, it's important to recognize that the need for pain management really cuts across all areas of medicine. Um, and I think that working as a physician in this specialty, it's important to really bring to bear the the importance of a balanced approach to pain management. And what I mean by that is that the evaluation of someone suffering from chronic pain is so important that includes a detailed history and diagnostic tests, you know, whatever necessary imaging, um, and a thorough physical exam. Uh, it includes looking at things like what are the roles and levels of stress, uh, potential depression, um, what kinds of, you know, exercise or general activity one is getting, uh, certainly any effects that uh, pain may be having on sleep as well as appetite and interactions with family and friends. And so it really does cover a rather comprehensive 
uh, evaluation. And then we look at possible therapies from a variety of, of realms. So not only the medications that might include over-the-counter remedies as well as prescription uh, types of medications, including the, uh, the opioids, as you mentioned in your opening, but also things such as uh, physical therapy or other rehabilitation techniques, uh, interventional therapies, whether it's surgeries or injections or whatnot. Um, I think that psychological and behavioral therapy is very important, and sometimes it's a matter of learning good coping strategies. And then there's the whole host of other alternative therapies that um, that can play a role in pain management. And so we we really do look at and uh, promote the importance of a balanced approach. And there is a lot of emphasis on. Uh, opioid-type painkillers, as you point out, but not all pain conditions, it turns out, are even well-suited or respond to opioid medications. For example, some neuropathic or conditions that are related to nerve injury or inflammatory conditions, such as rheumatoid arthritis, are not necessarily well-suited to treatment with opioid medications. So it is sort of important to recognize um, and match up the underlying uh, causes of pain with appropriate treatments. Donna, I'm just going to stop you there because time is the tyranny on in this business, but also I'm going to be asking you in a moment about the causes of chronic pain. So I'm going to uh, now go to Penny just to ask her to summarize for us the services provided by the American Chronic Pain Association to individuals living with chronic pain. Penny? I think I think the first thing that we do is that we validate that person with pain, that we believe that their pain is real. I think you know, people's pain become very defensive. But what we want really want to do is to move them from that passive patient to an active participant in their health care. In other words, instead of having someone and looking to your health care provider to fix me, what we need to do is make that person with pain part of the treatment team because there's only so much medicine can do for an individual. And then it's up to that person with pain to carry out all the things as as Donna had talked about, you know, the physical therapy and managing stress and all those things, listening to their body and knowing when to stop and pacing themselves. And so we teach all of those coping skills so that people are able to better manage their pain. The goal of pain management is to improve the quality of your life, increase your function, and reduce your sense of suffering. There may always be some level of pain, but but I think the important thing is to know that you can live with pain, but somebody has to teach you. Too often people are told, learn to live with it, but they don't tell them how. So our new thing is don't tell me, teach me how to live with it. And I think that's where the ACPA, the American Chronic Pain Association, really shines is that we have the time and, and the talent and the materials and the peer leaders in these support groups to help people really become actively involved in their recovery and in their treatment. Right. Now, back to Donna. Please highlight for us the most common causes of chronic pain. Donna? Well, I think that some of the common conditions that I see in my practice would um, uh, would amount to things like back pain, uh, headache, arthritis. I think these are also consistent with what we see reported in the latest statistics by the National Centers for Health Statistics, and it shows that 
um, low back pain and joint pain have been steadily increasing over the past several years. And each of these conditions um, are reported to affect an estimated about a third of Americans. Uh, so this, these are significant problems. Now, just to ask a little bit more about that, um, the significant problems, to what extent um, are they all the same, these problems that are significant, or do the nature, does the nature of the problem vary from condition to condition? Well, I think why it's really cause for, uh, you know, real, real concern is that taken as a whole, uh, pain, chronic pain across uh, conditions actually costs America upwards of $630 billion every year in medical expenses and lost wages, and this number is likely only going to increase. So these are um, issues that really are a, of a public health concern. So pain and chronic pain is not only a result of a disease entity becomes sort of a, a disease in its own right uh, in some ways and is um, important for, for people to know about and to recognize a significant impact it has not only on individuals but on society. Now, talking about the impact on society, I, I began by talking about this concern that a lot of government agencies and a lot of governments have, which is um, the addiction to opioids that seems to be growing. What's, just briefly, Donna, your view about that? Uh, well, the, my view on the growing uh, issue surrounding addiction um, there is certainly areas where, uh, you know, it's important, again, for the public to understand what are the issues. Um, when, uh, when we're talking about safety and the need to keep your opioids, uh, medications, should they be prescribed to you, you, it's your responsibility to keep them safe, locked, not share, make sure they don't fall into uh, hands of, of people or, or uh, children that might not uh, recognize the dangers associated with its use. Um, and on the uh, provider side, uh, you know, there are needs to have appropriate surveillance methods and um, certain, certain levels of responsibility that are needed on, uh, on the side of the provider to assure that, again, the treatments are appropriately matched to the conditions that are being treated. Right. In other words, as you said it, it's a public health problem, among all the other things it does and is. Now, on that particular point, we the tyranny of time is upon us, so we're going to have to take the break. We'll do that now. So, this is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Penny Cowan and Dr. Donna Kalo-Okalani. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. How do you achieve balance in your life? 
Is it when everything runs in perfect alignment with each other, time, money, and life? You can keep everything in nearly perfect balance. Listen for Be Mighty with K.D. Marley, which is made up of two people, K. Mar and D. Lee. The hosts have worked with small business owners to find the best and most systematic way of tracking both time and money in order to achieve work-life balance to their advantage. The show can help you, too. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. There are 13 unbreakable habits of truly enlightened people. These life-changing habits are discussed on Dream the Life, Live the Dream with Dr. Yomi Garnett. We'll offer an excursion in self-discovery along with wisdom that will allow you to stay on the correct path toward your destiny. You can find excellence in your life. Tune in every Thursday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time. That's 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for this exciting transformational journey. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite. I'm Penny Cowan and Dr. Donna Kalo-Okalani. Our topic is what family caregivers should know about treatments for chronic pain. So, both of you, now let's talk about the challenges that arise with chronic pain and its treatments. Now, Penny, what are the most challenging of the challenges faced by individuals living with chronic pain who turn to the American Chronic Pain Association for help? Penny? You know, I think the most challenging of all is access to care. We will get people calling us at our toll-free number at 800-533-3321 and come to our webpage, and, and they're desperate because they don't know what else to do. There's there's a, a real fear out there among healthcare providers that taking care of a person with pain, and it is because of the opioids, that they're afraid to prescribe anymore, and they just don't know what else to do for these folks. So they, a lot of them are closing their practices or just telling them they can't treat them anymore. Part of the problem, and it sort of builds on what, what Donna was saying earlier, is that you know all of the conversation right now is around the person with pain and the providers. But if you step back and look at the real issues of, of the misuse and abuse of opioids, it's with the general population. And I think until we go out and reach out to the whole public, we're not going to know about it. The American Chronic Pain Association has had a public service announcement that we actually play in movie theaters when we get the funding to help people better understand how to store, dispose, and not share these share these medications appropriately. And it's actually on our webpage as well. You can go in and you can watch it at www.the acpa.org. That's T-H-E-A-C-P-A.org. I think the other challenge is just the fact that 
that they need to be validated. They need to have their pain believed. And if you think about it, I mean, what does pain look like? What does a backache look like? What does a headache look like? If the tests come back, you know, negative and they can't find anything wrong, you know, it makes that person very skeptical. It makes the healthcare provider more skeptical. And before you know it, I mean, people of pain become extremely defensive, especially after they've seen two or three. And they tend to go from one doctor to another trying to find an answer. You know, they're trying to find that one answer that's going to get rid of their pain. Unfortunately, there's not that one answer. You know, it's a combination, again, as Donna had said earlier, of a number of different kinds of treatments and modality. I think the, one of the last challenges or one of the many challenges is the financial assistance that people need. You know, just being able to, to be able to pay for this service or, you know, because they have to travel so far, even the gas money to get to a prescriber, I mean, to a physician, or even to pick up their medication. So there's there's a huge number of challenges for a person with pain looking to find a means so that they can actually live with their pain rather than it controlling them. They need to be able to live with it. And I don't know that that's the case with a lot of other health care issues. I mean, we don't right. question people with other, with other issues. So, I mean, I think it's just the whole idea of, of chronic pain and the fact that it's invisible and having that concrete diagnosis and then knowing how to actually treat it. Yep. Which takes me to Donna. What are the most challenging of the challenges faced by the individuals living with chronic pain who turn to you for medical care? Donna? Oh, Gordon, there are so many challenges, but I think that it would really um, also reflect what what Penny has alluded to. I think that um, patients who come to see in in, in clinic, uh, you know, face feeling judged, especially when there's opioids involved, and not only by the general public, but also sometimes by their own family members. So there really is a lot of need for education that can happen in the in the clinical setting. But other challenges are surrounding, you know, access to care. Many times people come to my clinic because other physicians were not necessarily willing uh, to invest the time and attention in uh, understanding what was going on and developing um, an appropriate treatment plan. Um, I think that other challenges that arise have to do with uh, pharmacies, either not stocking or being unwilling to dispense medications, particularly the controlled uh, medications, and then again, uh, the um, the cost factor that Penny mentioned earlier, just not having insurance or limited medication coverage, um, that, that poses many challenges um, to patients. I think the general idea of you know, feeling unheard, misunderstood. Uh, pain can be very isolating. It is, you know, uh, ha- it has been dubbed a silent epidemic because it's not something that you can readily uh, recognize in another uh, individual. Um, and then certainly the thing that uh, that we don't talk about enough is the the level of disparity in pain care that we still see across the country, and 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 we know that um, you know particularly women, uh, ethnic minorities, elderly, the uninsured are far more uh, likely to not get appropriate uh, pain care. Thanks, Donna. Now back to Penny. 
What are the most challenging of the challenges faced by the American Chronic Pain Association in its efforts to raise awareness among the healthcare community, policymakers, and the public of concerns about chronic pain and concerns about the treatments of chronic pain? Any- you, you know, I think I think probably the biggest thing is just again going back to the validity of the pain. That that pain is a is a real issue. I mean, a hundred million people. That's more than heart disease, cancer, and diabetes combined. And yet, if you, you know, if you look at at the way people are being treated and the access to care, it's really difficult. But the other thing for us as as an organization is just getting to the folks to let them know that we're here and we're here to help them. We have a wealth of communication tools, graphical tools, ways to help people really take an active role in their recovery process, but it's really hard to get the good news out. I mean, we've been around for 34, almost 35 years now, and we are here to help a person with pain. And so many people say, well, well, what's it going to cost? And there's no cost to come to these support group meetings. There's no, I mean, the cost, but there is a cost, and it's your own time and effort. And, and I think, again, it goes back to expectation of treatment, which is give me a quick pill and I'm good to go. When, in fact, you know, there is no quick fix when it comes to chronic pain. As I said before, you know, the goal is to reduce their sense of suffering, improve the quality of life, and increase function. There may always be some level of pain, and I think that's hard for some people to accept. But I think it's also hard for us to get that good news out and reach people. We've had people call us and say, I wish I knew about you 10 years ago. Um, But we can only do as much for a person as they allow us to do. In other words, how much they're going to invest in themselves. And, And again, I think that's the real difference in living with chronic pain versus a lot of other healthcare conditions is that person with pain has really got to become an active participant in their health care and not look to that quick fix and expect, you know, something else. And so I think maybe that's one of our biggest challenges to let people know that they actually have some control over their level of suffering. Now, that goes back to Donna. You've already said a lot about this, but I'd like you to say some more, and that is the challenges that are faced by physicians whose patients are seeking treatments in the form of medications or in some instances apparently demanding medications for the treatment of chronic pain. Please talk about those challenges. Donna? Well, I think the the challenges that uh, physicians face, particularly in the setting of pain management, um, really kind of boil down to the, the time that it takes to accomplish a thorough physical, psychosocial evaluation, as I alluded to before, and then to come up with a treatment plan that aligns the appropriate therapies, various types of medications, as well as other types of therapies with the underlying uh, problem. And I think that, uh, you know, how I've sort of met some of these, you know, time constraint uh, challenges is that I, I actually use some of the tools that are provided by the American Chronic Pain Association because so many of them actually are um, very good and comprehensive assessment tools as well as a way to communicate very clearly with the patient. And 
And as a result, I increase the efficiency of my clinic visit, given the high burden of information that I need to uh, synthesize, as well as it gives me the ability to um, have trends, treat uh, trends over time. In other words, I can see how someone's activity may be changing, either improving or declining over time, and a number of various dimensions that are. Um, assessed, like on instruments such as the pain log. And so these are very useful tools. And I think by engaging the patient with these tools, it gives them a sense of, you know, enhanced communication, feeling engaged and empowered and feeling like they are an important part of their treatment team, which is very important. And that's from both of you. I've got that message very strongly that what the people who are experiencing and suffering from chronic pain become is part of their own care providers because you are calling in many ways for their participation in a progress in progressing care that isn't just take a pill and forget all about it in the way in which we all seek for medical cures and um going to give you a chance to talk about that some more because I think that's a very, very powerful and strong point you're making. Okay. But now we've come to the time where once more we have to take the break so that we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley and my guests are Penny Cowan and Dr. Donna Kalu Okalani. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio and SharingTheBurden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Master your reality and manifest your desires effortlessly. Listen to The Trivetti Effect to find out how raising your level of consciousness can totally transform every aspect of your life. Hosted by Mahendra Kumar Trivedi with Trivedi Master Alice Branton. Our program will spotlight the nearly 4,000 documented scientific studies that have proven the transformational impact of this energy extends beyond humans to all living and even non-living matter. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Want to go to happy hour? No, it's not that kind of happy hour. It's better. Kick off your heels or loosen your necktie and join Liv and Kelly for the happiest hour of your day. Join them as they share tips, tools, and totally doable techniques to create more bliss in your everyday life. If you want more happiness in relationships, at work, and within, and you're ready to start living your dream life, tune in every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Get what you want out of life and create more happiness. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to doc. G at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. 
That's D-O-C, the letter G, at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Penny Cowan and Dr. Donna, Donna Kalu Okalani. Our topic is what family caregivers should know about treatments for chronic pain. Now let's talk about the help that you provide to meet the challenges that you've been talking about. Um, the challenges that actually arise in the care of chronic pain. So Penny, starting with you, please highlight for us the challenge, the help that the association provides to individuals with the challenges of chronic pain. You've already said quite a lot about it, but I'd like you to go in, into it in rather more detail. Penny? You know, I think part of the problem is that when they go to a number of different healthcare providers, they're told to learn to live with it. And the reason for that is because the healthcare providers have never been taught how to help people better manage pain. They're only taught prescribers, prescribing and procedures. So right away, there's a lack of education among healthcare providers. It's not that they don't care. A lot of them just don't know because I think we need to increase the education. But when, you know, we go past that, I think what the American Chronic Pain Association does, you know, we really help people learn how to take an active role in their health care, not just be that passive patient. And and I get from so many people, they'll say, I've tried everything and nothing works. So we have this analogy that we use about a person with pain, and they're like a car, except their car has four flat tires. Their expectation is all I need is that one pill and I'm good to go. The problem is it only puts air in one of their tires. They still have three flat tires and they're not going anywhere. Perhaps that medication is giving them 20 or 30% relief, just as it's meant to do. Let's leave that there and ask ourselves, what else do we need to fill up the other three tires? And for each person, it's going to be different. It can be the physical therapy. It might be nutritional counseling. Maybe it's regular counseling. Maybe it's a peer group. I mean, it can be Tai Chi. It can be acupuncture, stress counseling, stress management. It can be a number of different things. Once all four tires are filled, it's up to that individual to maintain their car in order for them to continue in that life as a person with pain. You don't take your car back to the dealer and say, wash my windshield or fill her up. That's our job. If something goes wrong with the car, then we take it in for a checkup. So for us as the American Chronic Pain Association, we're part of helping them to maintain their wellness, working with their health care provider. I think it's important for people to realize, you know, that we don't, we don't take place of proper medical treatment. We're in addition to. We're there to support the people, to provide some of the direction on what is your role in, in managing pain? What is it that you need to know in order to move from patient to person? You know, we teach basic rights. We teach how to set you know, our priorities, understand what they are and how to set realistic goals and not set ourselves up for failure. I mean, that's the kind of things that we teach. We give them the tools they need so that they can begin to move forward and continue to maintain their wellness as a person with pain and not allow their pain to become their identity and call themselves a chronic pain patient. They're a person with pain, but pain should never define who they are. Right. Now, Donna, you've said already a, a good deal about the way in which you carefully assess mm-hmm. patients with medical care, which is a time-consuming right. um, 
part of the, your work. Sure. Now, let's talk about the actual care that you, so to speak, prescribe or advise for the individuals who you've assessed. Tell us more about that. Donna? Well, I think that... Um I think that Penny might have actually stole a little of my thunder here because um, I think, you know, what what she's describing is really the importance of, and what I use in my practice, is really an integrative multimodal uh, treatment paradigm where you really do recognize that each person is unique. So there's, you know, a hundred million people across the country with chronic pain. That means there's a hundred million different stories. And and you really have to be prepared to listen and to assess and to understand the individual differences and really tailor the treatment to that individual. I think that all too often people think that there is, um, you know, a, a given set of recipes or <laughs> types of treatments that, uh, that, you know, that one physician might offer. And, and really, in the scope of pain management, it really is about understanding how a variety of, of therapies might play a role and how best to utilize those given uh, the set of circumstances and the, uh, the diagnostic cues that we get through a thorough assessment. Right. Now... I'm going to go back to Penny and ask about the formalities of some of this. And Donna, I'm going to be asking you the same question as well in regard to mal- to physicians. But mm-hmm. first of all, the question to Penny about the association. What is the association's position, formal position, if it has one, on the challenges associated with painkiller medications like the opioids in the care of chronic pain? Um, Actually, the American Chronic Pain Association, we don't really have a position. And the reason for that is because everybody is different. And and that decision should be between the person with pain and their health care provider. I don't think there should be a blanket statement. For some people, and I think Donna alluded to this earlier, it's not an appropriate treatment for them and it's not going to help them. For other people, it may be one of the many tools. It may fill up one of their tires. But for us to come out and say, you know, people should either or shouldn't take it, it, that's not appropriate. I think it depends on the individual, the treatment that they're receiving, and it really needs to be a decision between the person with pain and their health care provider. And I think also it's important that that individual use one pharmacy for all of their medications as well as over-the-counters so that there's no questions asked. Everybody is up above board because there's so much confusion and misunderstanding. For the appropriate person, they can make a difference and a positive difference. It might be allowing them to get back to work and be a productive part of society again. But again, I think it is part, it is, it's for the person with pain and their provider to determine. Some of the other challenges, you know, the, finding a pharmacy that's going to fill it up for you, that's going to fill the prescription. Uh, I think Don also alluded to that. And even the cost in travel, we've had people call us where they're traveling 50, 60, 100 miles trying to find a pharmacy that's going to fill their prescription. It's getting more and more difficult for a variety of reasons, and pharmacies are not even getting the allocation that they're supposed to be getting. So their their supplies are cut, so they can't fill these prescriptions. Now, Donna, the question I want to ask you is, what about the the associations of physicians, the various state bodies that regulate 
uh, physicians. So in Ontario, in Canada and Ontario, we have the parallels. That is, we call them colleges. So they're regulatory bodies. Um, how, what do they have a position associated with painkiller medications, given all the government? concern or is it all up to the individual physicians treating their individual patients donna no i think that there are uh you know regulations there are guidelines that are published by uh not only the um uh, the board, the medical board, but also by various professional organizations in terms of the um uh, responsibilities that one needs to uh, take when prescribing opioid medications specifically, I think that um, it's important to assess risk, for example, uh, that one may have for developing problems related to opioids, and that's an expectation of people who are prescribing opioids, and then to mitigate those risks and be willing to act on any uh, any type of problems that, um, uh, you know, start to uh, bubble up. There are appropriate surveillance methods that are um, uh, recommended, including the use of opioid agreements, for example, um, urinary tox screening, um, use of EKGs when certain substances are prescribed, uh, lab testing. Um, so there are, you know, there's a, a whole host of things that are expected to be done in a, um, in, in the sense of being responsible on using opioids and the appropriate monitoring that takes place in association with that. Um, I think that the regulatory demands um, have also been been changing up to you know current day, and so keeping up with those changes is very important. And we turn to our um, you know our our various medical boards to keep us apprised of that. In addition to the the DEA and FDA, um, the you know the pharmacy barriers to dispensing that Penny alluded to is, seems to be getting to be a bigger and bigger uh, challenge. Um, and then I would I would add that you know there are insurance barriers. We've gone through you know a, a number of changes in our healthcare system, and so cost of medications and the need for prior authorizations can really be uh, barriers to people getting access to medications. And um, I I think that um, one of the things that I run into is. Uh, being able to assure that the patient who I am treating from a from a specialty standpoint also has good primary care. Um, you know, a number of people come to me needing help for their pain management, but they haven't recognized the importance of being tied into having good primary care. And so there's just yet another area of, you know, education and and getting people to understand how to um, access good health care. Right. And so it's that complex mix um, which does really become more complex the, the more it goes on Absolutely. of the government regulation, of the kind of barriers that get in the way, mm -hmm. and also the concerns, and also 
um, the things that Penny is facing, and that is getting the message about out right. about what chronic pain really is, and the way in which care um, should be provided in a way that um, fits with what physicians are doing and fits with the known needs of people in chronic pain and also fits with the kind of services that are or should be provided within the healthcare system. And that's quite a job. Mm-hmm. Now, on that point, having lectured you once more, I'm going to um, take the break. Uh, this is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Penny Cowan and Dr. Donna Kalokalani. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channel and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Have you ever noticed that sometimes life just feels easier, especially when judgment of you or anyone else ceases to exist? What if you could function from that space all the time? What if gratitude is the key? Every time you are grateful for someone or something, a new universe opens up. What difference can you create in your life and the world from the energy, space, and consciousness of gratitude? Join us on Access Consciousness Presents Beyond Saying Thank You every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Like so many others, do you put on a game face to the world? The stress of home life, work life, and personal life converge on us on practically a daily basis. Yet, so rarely do we let others see our real selves, and we carry on like we don't have a single problem. We need to connect and to find out we're not alone. Tune into Stories from the Heart of Leadership with host Shamin Sadiq to find out not only what's been created, but the story behind it. Listen live every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week. Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Penny Khan and Dr. Donna Hello, Okalani. Our topic is what family caregivers should know about treatments for chronic pain. Now, both of you, let's talk about the things that you would like to do and see done 
to promote safer and better care for individuals living with chronic pain. So, Penny, first of all, what more would you like to see done and by whom to promote safer and better care? Penny? You know, I think probably one of the first things is is that a person with pain should be treated just like any other patient, not classified as, you know, so often we hear drug seekers and, and everything else. I think that we need to validate their pain and not and take away their defenses and ask how can we help them and how can they become part of the treatment team. What is it that healthcare providers can do to help them better manage it? As I said earlier, you know, there may always be some level of pain. I think improving the communication between a person with pain and their provider, and that's, again, where all of our communication tools are on our webpage at www.theacpa.org. That's T-H-E. The ACPA.org. And I think, you know, using some of those communication tools to really make the most of that very short visit. You know, it would be great if, if we could educate the medical students, the nursing students, the pharmacy students, all of them about how do you manage long-term chronic pain, which many kinds of conditions are going to fall into. How do we help people? We can't cure them, but we can help them better manage it. You can live with it. But the problem is we need more education, we need more validation of people, and we need for a person with pain and their provider to work together as a team, trusting each other and being open and honest with them. Right. Donna, what more would you like to see done and by whom to promote safer and better care for individuals living with chronic pain? Donna? Well, I think there are many stakeholders here, Gordon, as we've discussed. I think that we need to have more physician leadership in driving the changes needed. I think improved training at all levels, whether it's in medical school or nursing programs. Um, I think we need more research devoted to pain treatments. Um, changes in healthcare reimbursement that better align with a balanced approach would really go a far way. I think current our current reimbursement system is very skewed towards procedural aspects of care. Um, and I think on the consumer end, we need to have uh, consumers educated so that they can advocate for themselves and their loved ones and realize that they truly are key participants in their own health care. Right. Now, Penny, what's your message for family caregivers concerned about their family members who live with chronic pain? You know, that's, that's an interesting question and one that's very timely for us. We've had a, a manual for family members for quite some time now, uh, but we're converting that and we're changing that into a video. It's called Family Matters. And, and the reason we're doing that is because for, for many years, you know, we, we've, a lot of times families will call us and, and want to know what they can do. And I, and I, my sense was that they're also struggling. So I interviewed family members for three years to really better understand so that I could write the family manual. And what I heard in all of that time was there was really only one difference between a person with pain and their family member. And that is the family member doesn't feel the physical pain. But all of the other restrictions, the frustration, the anger, the confusion, the guilt, all of that, they feel as much as that person with pain. And what's more is that kids quite often misinterpret their parents' pain as some kind of punishment for something that the child did to misbehave or they'll accept blame for something, you know. So I think that we can never, in 
treating a person with pain, you really have to look at the whole family unit. And they family also has to be supportive of the person with pain so that they encourage them to keep up with their exercises and, you know, the relaxation and all of the other things they do. As a family, they can work at this together. Because if you step back and look at what kind of coping skills the American Chronic Pain Association teaches for a person with pain, they're nothing more than good living skills, and anyone can benefit from that. So our hope is to try to maintain that family unit and really help all of the members of family, not just that person with pain, because it, it really is a family matter. Right. Donna, what's your message for family caregivers concerned about their family members who live with chronic pain? Donna? I think the important message is don't give up. Um, Get more information. Realize there is support and help out there. Um, Call the ACPA. There is very, very important um, uh, work out there, and being involved in peer-led support groups can sometimes be empowering and uh, life-giving and um, I think that what's amazing to me is how many people come to see me in my pain clinic and say, I didn't know there was such a thing as a pain clinic. Uh, so I think that people need um, information. And then, you know, after a good treatment program, they say, thanks for giving my life back. And it is about putting life back into living. And so, you know, the, the real message is don't give up. There is help and hope out there. And, um and, you know, we, we are certainly here to help at the American Chronic Pain Association. Again, very powerful messages because you're saying that, first of all, understanding on the part of the individual and the family and the family caregivers is important, um, that really it can be and probably often is a family matter um, the one difference that Penny made is that maybe the family member is the one that actually has the pain, but all the other things that arise from the pain, the chronic pain, become a family ma- matter. And Donna, what you're saying is that there are a great number of uh, implications of all of this that need to be taken into account and that family caregivers should look at groups, should look at joining with other family caregivers to share their experiences, to, to discuss what works, and to get the information and discuss it, uh, get the information from the American Chronic Pain Association and discuss it with people who, so to speak, have traveled the road of chronic pain or are traveling it. And let me just say, because unfortunately this is the end of this important episode, um, please keep up the good work, both of you, if I can put it that way, because this is, I think, one of the most powerful and important challenges that healthcare is facing. And listening to you both, I realize that what you're doing is profoundly important work for North America. So all I can say to you is keep it up because it matters to all of us. So thank you. Thank you very much. I want to say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode. With Family Caregivers Unite, we're starting a new research project called Qualitative Research to find out what you, our listeners, think about important topics such as the one we've just been listening to. Please e- email me 
to hear more or to get involved. Our next episode will be helping family caregivers establish a home for their family member who has an intellectual disability. Please join us, same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again twice every week, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until the next show, we hope our programs help make the coming week easier and more hopeful.